0: Uh, Nikki and I have just come back from. Uh, I thought it would be exotic, but I've just come back from Birmingham, um, <laughs> where we've been at a conference. And uh, this conference, we 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 trained down on Wednesday. We flew back at four o'clock. I got here at four o'clock this afternoon. And um, uh, I want to give you a bit of a confession because I was supposed to be at the conference Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which is way too long for a conference. I mean, no one can endure that kind of stuff for that length of time. And on the way down, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who said, hey, I, th- I thought you might be in England this weekend. Do you want tickets for a football match? And I said, I actually said, he said, executive suite, Manchester United, food all laid on, you can sit in a nice pot and you can watch the match. And I said, no. I can't, I can't, I'm at a conference, i got to be there at a a conference, and uh, I put the phone down, and she said, what was that? I said, oh, it's a football match, and I, I, yeah, she said, what are you doing? What are you doing? You always say no, it's a day off, technically you can have a day off, you could, could, you're in Manchester, you're in Birmingham, you can get a train to Manchester, you could watch the football match, and we could be back for the evening, and no one would miss us, and no one would ever know apart from the fact that I told everyone about, about this. And, uh, and so we went. <laughs> we went to the, God has been convicting me about having more joy in my life. Stop working, have some fun. So we went to the football match. And uh, I haven't been to a football match for ages. I used to go a lot when I was, when I was younger. And uh, I tell you what, it was a shock. If you, how many of you have been to a football match recently? Or a sports mat, no, no, let's not try that, because if you need the rugby, it's very sophisticated, the rugby. I mean, if you ever been to the football? It's a weird place, isn't it? I mean, like, I was, I was sitting there, the songs that they, I can't even repeat the songs they sing, they, they worship way better than we worship, by the way. You ever noticed that? I and mean, when we kind of do this, if we get really excited, we might do a, Jesus, you're amazing. They are, we're by far the greatest team in the world has ever, they're all in, the whole body's involved in worship, and some of the stuff that comes out of people's mouths, I'm serious, it's vile, isn't it? It's angry, it's vile, 10-year-old kids sitting next to me, chanting some of the songs with their dads looking proudly at them, but some of the stuff that's coming out of their mouths, some of the implicit racism, sexism anger and aggression that's coming out of people's mouths and lives. And then on the other side of the equation, there were these two guys who were probably about, I don't know, 55 young guys in front of me, and definitely they'd eaten too many pies, if you know what I mean. And they were way too big for the seats that were in front of them, as was I. And then when their team scored, Manchester United scored, I've never, I'd never supported Manchester United in my life, but they were playing Spurs, so I was supporting Manchester United. When their team scored, they jumped up and down. They jumped much more than I thought they could jump. They hugged one another. One of them started pulling his shirt up, and then they kissed one another. This kind of display of human emotion. I wanted to tell you about that, not because you you can judge me for missing a 24-7 prayer conference and watching football (laughs) But there is something, almost nothing as profoundly evil or profoundly beautiful than the interaction between us, is there? There's almost nothing as profoundly beautiful or as profoundly evil as the way in which we relate to one another. It's true at a football match. It's true in church. The way we deal with one another, the way we speak about one another, the way we deal with this thing called family or this thing called community, you know, the, the way in which we see people, Harvey Weinstein. and We all go, ah but there's something of that in, in so many of us, isn't there, the way in which we treat people, we speak about people and the way we react to things, And so tonight, all I want to do is spend some time talking about what Jesus talks about when Jesus talks about family and community. Because Jesus is perfect theology, and he's perfect leadership, and he's he's perfect humanity. And he has some stuff to say about this. You know, later on this evening, we're going to give you an opportunity to look around at different communities, and, and we have a structure called community. And if you get into a community, we believe that that's a really good thing for you. But if it's just a structure that we've told you to go to, because it makes you feel good and, and because it will be better for you, but will last a little bit of time and then everyone will stop doing it. But if it's a culture that grips your heart, if it's a way in which we love one another, honor one another, recognize I can't do life without you. I can't be who I'm supposed to be without you and that, that your these way relationships are totally connected to your this way relationship. I can't say I've got it going on with God if I've I've got foul thoughts about you. And I'll never have it going on with God unless I involve you in the way I think and the way I talk and the way I live and the way we do life together. And so two really quick verses of scripture, passages of scripture, and and then I'll say a few things and then we'll work out what we're gonna do with that. Matthew chapter 18. And in Matthew chapter 18, is, if, you, if you don't know the, the, the Bible very well, if you, if you go to the New Testament, which is if you, if you cut your Bible in half and turn right about half an inch, none of you know what an inch is, um, like two centimeters, if you turn right, then you'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Matthew's gospel, Jesus, uh, it, it, it's the eyewitness account of the life of Jesus and the way Jesus teaches the way Jesus teaches into stuff that is so relevant to us. And he starts teaching in Matthew 18 verse 15. Some very, very practical stuff about how we deal with, with difficult relationships in the family of God's people. How do you deal with it when someone says something against you or does something against you or hates you or, or, or abuses you? And how do you? How do you deal with all, all of that kind of stuff? And he's going to go on to talk in, in just a few verses later about forgiveness which is right at the heart of God, by the way, isn't it? You can't, you can't say you've got it going on with God and be living in unforgiveness with people who God loves. It just, that, does, that just doesn't work and doesn't compute. And Jesus is going to talk about that. We're going to, we haven't got time to talk about that tonight. But right in the middle of this stuff, Jesus says these two things in two verses, verse 19 and 20. Again, I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Jesus is saying, I mean, could this actually be true? Jesus is saying, if, if you agree with somebody else in this room in the name of Jesus, then what is true in heaven comes to earth. If you would agree, if you would agree, and that that word agree is the word for be in harmony. It's the word for harmonious sound. If, if you have some kind of harmonious relationship together and you agree about the stuff that I agree about, then it's going to get done. Then heaven comes to earth. And then Jesus says, for if... This is one of the great descriptions of the church, isn't it? I grew up in the church, literally. And, and, and this, we always said this, we, you know, we, it, it didn't really matter whether there were two or three people or a thousand people, if two or three are here, then Jesus is here because this verse promises, it says, when two or three gather in my name, there I presence myself. In other words, together is so fundamental and fantastic. Because if two or three are together, then power comes. And when we pray, something happens when we're together. If two or three are are together, then presence comes. Then God, we don't do this because I'm interesting. (laughs) Sometimes I'm really not. We don't do this because the band are great or whatever. We do this because we believe that when we gather together, God presences himself and says some stuff and does some stuff. And then we pray, we pray something happens and we leave this place better equipped to live prophetically and differently out there. That's what we believe. That's, what we, that's why we do this stuff. There is something about together. There's something about together. Now turn with me real quick to another familiar passage of scripture, to the Acts of the Apostles, which is, the Acts of the Apostles, if you turn right about another two centimeters, you'll get there. In Acts chapter 2, it's it's, it's a description of the first group of believers who tried to do this stuff. It's just like you and me, the first group of believers who God had shown up and the dead man walked and, and it was incredible, he was risen from the dead and he'd said some incredible things and it seemed to make sense and then this community got formed Because together they agreed and together they gathered. Look, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Check this. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That's going to become important. Stay there. When you have together, the power of heaven gets pulled down. When you have true agreement, the power of heaven happens in Edinburgh. When, when you agree on something, when we are together, the presence of God comes and the plans of God begin to get outworked. There is, I mean, it's a weird thing, isn't it? But there is something about together. And, and, and it's such a haunting thing. And it's so attractive. I'll tell you why. Because your heart is hardwired for together because you're created in the image of God and and God is in relationship so God made you for together that that's why social media is so attractive because we want to have connection but we're afraid of connection so we have a thousand likes and millions of favorites and people love us but we don't really feel as if we're known that's why every single Netflix series that you really like is about community. It's often about dysfunctional community, but it's about community. And by the way, this isn't just the millennial thing. People tell me all the time, well, the millennials really like family, and they really like integrity, and they really like things being raw and real. N- nonsense. We all like that. Some of us just pretend we don't, but we all like that. That's, that, that's why Cheers <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. And most of you don't know what that was about. And, and, and that, that's, why, you know, that's why good neighbors become good friends. That, that, that's why I'll be there for you when the rain starts. That, all the all stuff. Every single series that you can think of that you really like has this kind of functional or dysfunctional family. And, and it's, that God says, it's there because I placed it there. I placed it there in human hearts. You are made for connection. You're made for together, you're made for connection with heaven, you're hardwired for it. That's why you're always searching and seeking for something and you're made for connection one with another. Together is such a foundational and beautiful thing. We're made for together, but we live lonely. You know, I often hear people saying to me, I've got a faith crisis. I'm really struggling with my faith. I've got a faith crisis or I've got a financial crisis or I've got a relational crisis and I, I want to say, no, 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 you, it's not those, you've got a together crisis. That's what you got. Because your this way relationship is connected with your these way relationships. Your, your faith crisis isn't actually a faith crisis, it's a together crisis. We haven't walked this stuff out. We haven't worked this stuff out. We haven't found family. We haven't found people that we can trust. Your financial crisis isn't a financial crisis really. Ultimately, it's a together crisis because all the resources of heaven, all the wisdom of heaven around finances are found together as we begin to work this stuff out. God made us for together. God made us for together. And so Jesus starts talking and he uses these two verses. And this is huge. And there was once a community that got this. That's the, that's the thing I, I really find encouraging because I'm, I'm kind of done with, you know, if all you, if all you had was this book and all you did was this book, you wouldn't do most of this stuff. You ever thought that? You know, There's very little in this book about sitting in chairs looking at a screen. There's very few things in this book about health and safety stuff. <laughs> really I don't see anything in this book about direct debits and giving online, or you know I mean I know I know we need all that stuff, but there's very little, we 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 make church about a whole bunch of other things. But if you, if all you had was this book, you'd do together. You'd do loving the poor. You'd do worshiping Jesus. You'd do making sure that we were in this thing together. You'd feast together. You'd celebrate together. You'd laugh together. You'd mourn together. You'd cry together together is very beautiful this, this thing says they were together they were of one heart and mind I have other people say to me this church is too big I think I need to do something else and I say there were like 5,000 of them here and they were of one heart and mind they weren't worried whether they were 5,000, 1,002 or 3 people, the issue was together the issue was is one heart and mind. The issue was is connection. The way they thought was different to the way we think. So all I want to do for the next 10 minutes is give you a whole bunch of things that I think is different about the way the, these guys thought and the way we think. Is that all right? The four of you think it's really brilliant. The rest of you got no idea. I'm not really sure how long is it going to go on for. Okay, here we go. The first thing I think they think was different is they thought we... And not me. This was a group of people. They're not different from us. We, we have communities for surfers and soldiers and mums and tods and businesses and debt counselors and parents and students and, and, and tent makers. And that's what they had. And Fashion houses and prisoners and synagogue leaders and centurions. It's the same thing. One heart and mind and they changed the world. Because they thought we and not me. If you read this book, you read an awful lot more about one another than, than, than me, myself, and I. It's huge in our culture. We, we have an individualistic culture where we've been taught all the time to be independent, to stand on our own two feet. Not rely upon any. particularly if you're a guy, not being sexist, but particularly if you're a guy, stand on your own two feet. You're told from a very early age, come on, man up. Stand on your own two feet. Well, There's, there's a truth in that, and some of you need to. but (laughs) here's the reality. You were never supposed to do it alone. You're supposed to do it one another. Just check this out. Love one another, John thirteen. Be devoted to one another. Give preference to one another. Romans twelve. Be of the same mind with one another, Romans 15. Accept one another, Romans 15, 17. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Ephesians 4:32. I could do ten minutes of this. It's all about one another's. They preferred each other. They were male and female, slave and free, young and old, rich and poor. didn't really matter those categories were not important it was the one another's do you know that there is a there's a phrase that i was taught when i was younger you can you can't choose your family but you do get to choose your friends have you ever heard that kind of thing you get to choose your friends you can't choose your family and uh, it seems like a clever thing to say doesn't it because you do get to choose your friends sometimes but the reality is this it's actually nonsense you can choose your family can't you And you can choose to be family because all family means is connected at a deep visceral level. I am for you. I love you and I will continue to love you even when you foul up. Even when you turn your back on me. There's something about family, isn't there? If my kids reject me, if they turn their back on me, if they don't believe the same stuff as as me, if they marry someone I don't approve of, we're going to have words. But I'm never going to reject them. I'm always going to love them. How many of you have got a dysfunctional member of your family? No one's recording this. If you're in a family row or something, you don't have to put your hands up because they may be in the row or something. like that. But you know, you know what? Everyone's got, a, everyone's got a weird uncle, haven't they? Maybe if you haven't got one, you may be it. You know what? Everyone's got someone weird. And here's the deal with family. You're allowed not to like people, but you have to love them. Isn't that true? There's part of this, there's this thing that's inside you where you you love people because they're part of your family. They're given to you and you're committed to them, but you don't always have to like them, but you love them. I'm really suspicious of church communities that are totally homogenous and everyone looks the same and says the same thing. I feel more like cults. You know, we're kind of everyone's the beautiful people, and do the same. No, no, no. You need the dysfunctional people. You need the people you don't like to rub you up, so you get some grace and forgiveness in your life. You ever thought that? You need some people that you find it difficult to sit next to, and you, you, you know, because because for somebody else, you're that person. By the way, they they thought we, and not me. And then, then this gets, more, gets deeper, and this is, this is really counterintuitive and countercultural. Listen to this very carefully, particularly if you're younger, because if you get this in your life right now, it will change things. They thought ours and not mine. They never thought mine. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, if you grew up in church, you, you, if you didn't, stay with me for a second, but if you grew up in church, you know this word fellowship. It's kind of a wiki, n- n- Namby Pamby word. It means quiche. Do you know what I mean? It, it, if whenever fellowship suffer, suffer, <laughs> supper, same thing. Um, you know, and and, and we, we it just it just feels we're going to fellowship together. It just oh. Everything about that the whole, whole, whole thing. But in the in the New Testament, that, that word fellowship that's in the Bible there, it's an incredibly strong word. It means it means literally this. It means having in common. It means sharing stuff. It means that nobody owned anything. What if what if we created communities where nobody owned anything? I, I'm, I'm, please don't hear me wrong. I'm not talking about being socialist in any way, shape, or form. What I'm saying is this: what if God owns everything? What if God owns absolutely everything and he never asked you to be an owner of it. He asked you just to be a manager of his stuff, a steward of his stuff. And so the more that he trusts you, the more he can pour stuff in because he knows it comes out in helpful ways to serve the kingdom of God. Because, you see, if you don't own anything, you, you hold things like this and you stop holding things like this, which messes your life up, by the way. And suddenly you're free if you hold things like this to live biblical values of generosity, and kingdom and sharing and compassion and mercy and predisposition towards the poor and the broken. What it's if, if we got that stuff, it would change it all, wouldn't it? It would stop being about preserving. What if my family is not my family? And I get to share them then because I just get to steward what God has given to me. What if my house is not my house? My car is not my car. My gift is not my gift. It's not my church. It's Jesus. What if I don't know? They they thought, they, they thought ours and not mine. And then they thought, this is interesting, he says, hoping that other people will find it interesting. They thought covenant, not consume. This is important. Stay here for a second. Luke says they devoted themselves, which is one of his favorite words. He uses it in chapter 1, then he uses it again in chapter 2. But the Greek word devotion is the word proskaterio, which you don't need to worry about, but it means this. It means a binding promise and a pledge. In other words, they were bound and they were pledged together to stay together, to stick at it, and to persevere. When they built community, they really built community. But you see, the problem is devotion is an old school concept, isn't it? I don't just mean in the church, I mean everywhere. You can change your team, you can change your job, you can change your house, you can change your relationship, you can discard it, you can move on. Everything is temporary, everything is transactional. If you give me good stuff, I stay. If you don't give me good stuff, I go. But God deals with covenant, not transaction. Let me explain the difference between covenant and transaction. I have a covenant relationship with Nikki. I have a transactional relationship with Tesco's. <laughs> Honestly, I just that's. If I get them the wrong way around, it, there's a problem. You know, if if I get great pies from Tesco's, I stay with Tesco's. If I don't, I go to Little or wherever else I go to to get my food. If if Nikki gives me good stuff and she loves me, then I stay with Nikki. If she gives me bad stuff and she shows she seems like she doesn't love me, I stay with Nikki. Because it's covenantal. And it's one thing when it's a shopping supermarket. It's another thing when it's a community of people that you're supposed to love and care for. When you just throw it off and move on and do something else because it suits you. What if we had a community where we thought us. Rather than me, where we thought ours rather than mine. Mine didn't exist anymore. Where where, where we thought, covenant, I'm committed to you. I'm in it for the long haul. We're going to make this thing through. Even when I don't like you very much, I'm going to love you. I'm going to choose to love you. What if we thought that kind of stuff? And then finally, they thought out and not in. This is brilliant stuff. This is brilliant. I've made the big mistake of leaving my... um, my ipad on and someone's just texted me about my last comment about tescos <laughs> don't do that they thought out and not in this is brilliant stuff uh, the holy spirit knows if he can take if he can take one heart and mind intentional, practical, vulnerable, a remarkable community that love one another and stick, stick at it and go for it and fight on through to love one another and to look different from this world, then it becomes much more fellowship of the ring than friends in a coffee shop. It becomes much more we're after something. We're going to see something happen. We're going to change the world more than just double shot latte, please. And we're just hanging out doing something. Because this community thought out and not in. And he does that because the Holy Spirit knows something about your community that you may not know yet. And that's this. If it has no purpose beyond itself, it will implode within itself. If it has no purpose beyond itself, it will just implode within itself. If you're just interested in what you can get out of it and how it can serve you, then it will ultimately die and it will ultimately become cancerous and and, and cause grief to everyone within it. But if it dreams out and it reaches out, and it loves out. It will grow strong, and the world will get changed. Do you know, there is so much potential in this room to love a city and to transform a nation, but it's going to take a family. It's going to take a family to raise children well. It's going to take a family for for the excluded to get included, to to see the poor provided for, to see the rich released from the burden of ownership, the lonely found in families, the elderly cared for, the young given a dream, it's going to take a family and families for those who are in care to be released from care it's going to t- because only god can do this stuff it's going to take a family for people to be- get out of debt It's going to take a family to help people believe what God has placed in their hearts and stop thinking small and and, and limited. It's going to take a family. It's going to take you going, I'm going to love the people around me and I'm going to demonstrate something different because God is good and God is great and I'm one of his kids. It's going to take a family. Back to Jesus. Because I think that's what Jesus has in mind. I think Jesus had, when, it, when Jesus was thinking about the church, I think this is what he had in mind. I don't think he was thinking getting a charity number and buying a building and putting some chairs out and getting the biggest screen in Christendom behind you. I think, I think he was thinking about how do I help people follow me? How do I help people love one another? And how do I help people reach a broken and busted world who are desperately searching for me. How do I do that? I know. Church. And then we fitted some vehicles around church and then we began to worship the vehicle rather than the values. And Jesus says, I want to put in your heart, community. Because if you do the together thing and you do it well, then the power of heaven, which for some reason is the ceiling, (laughs) the power of heaven comes to earth. And the poor have good news preached to them. And the blind see, and the lame walk, and the prisoners get released. That's what's supposed to happen. And and, and when you gather, I will presence myself. And when I presence myself with you, that's what's supposed to happen. And when, when you're full of the presence of God and you go out into the absence of God, the presence of God comes. Do you know what I mean? That, that, that was good you can write that down when <laughs> if I can remember it when when the presence of God fills you us and the presence of God goes with you everything of God is with you and the absence of God gets transformed by the presence of God that's what's supposed to happen that's what this is for let's pray God, um, we're done. We're done with show up, sit down, church. We want to know your presence and your power in such a way that would impact our world. So challenge us, encourage us, equip us, Fill us, send us. Do you know Jesus? Um, immediately, he finishes talking about those two things. He tells a story about the unforgiving servant, and I think he does so because he knows that one of the great things that prevents you and I building family relationship building a relationship that transforms the world is that we live in unforgiveness we find it really difficult to relate to one another because they said something did something shouldn't have done it they did something to you which was unforgivable church hurt you should never have done people um, overlooked you were abusive towards you. And unfortunately, here's the truth. The truth is, they don't deserve your forgiveness. But unless you give it to them, you can't live in the arena of forgiveness and grace. And you will never build this kind of community that changes the world. So, just in the quietness, as we just ask the Holy Spirit to change our hearts towards family, maybe one or two of you just need to forgive someone. Make a mental note. Maybe even as we sing in just a moment, you send a text or make a note to write a letter or. No, don't send a text, write a letter much better. Get right with someone. God, would you change our hearts towards family? We ask this in Jesus' name.